The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We are live on the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Go to rivalfantasy.com or get the Rival Fantasy app. Today is Sunday, May 28th. I'm Drew Silva. With me here is Ryan Boyer. On this episode, we're going to cover some individual risers and fallers from the weekend, players who showed something encouraging, others who did not. And then we'll talk about some fab waiver wire targets to round things out here on Sunday afternoon. Uh, First, let's jump into some headlines from Saturday. Uh, What's the lead story? Probably Tyler Glass now. Like some, some good and bad against the Dodgers, but generally I think looked pretty darn sure. yeah yeah it was it was tyler glass now day finally um we don't get as many of those as we'd like um yeah. of course missed most of last season a good chunk of the year before that recovering from from tommy john surgery made a kind of a light, late season return last year from that strained his oblique during spring training I guess it was on the severe side, but also the Rays, I think they generally are pretty cautious with that stuff. But also, I mean, we knew that his, because of the Tommy John, his innings were going to be limited this year regardless. So I think it made sense to kind of slow slow play that. Look great on his rehab assignment. Um, I, I agree for the most part kind of a mixed bag against the Dodgers, but overall pretty encouraging to go up three runs in four and a two thir- and two thirds innings. Also had eight strikeouts, uh, just right. one walk. And he had, I believe 17 swinging strikes on like 83 pitches, something like that. And just the, I mean, the, the usual stuff that almost always applies to a Tyler glass. No start applies. Like you watch him and you, I mean, he's just, the stuff is just can be overwhelming. Um, I mean, I think you're probably in agreement with me that it's almost all about health with him. Um, There are some, as I kind of alluded to, some baked in workload questions, you know, beyond just staying healthy. Um, He's never really use him and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And how much he pitched or didn't pitch last year and really to his whole career. Um, How, how often is he going to be able to go deep into games, probably not a ton, but I mean, it's almost all about just staying healthy. Um, Hopefully he can 
at the very least avoid arm injuries um, because I, I mean, I think when he's on the mound, he's going to be a fantasy ace. I, there, I have very few, if any questions about, about that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think the analysis runs too deep here. Like if, if he's healthy and taking turns in the raise rotation, you're plugging him in every time out um, yeah. and not really worrying about it. I guess maybe like once if, if we like have a, a stretch of starts to evaluate more than that, maybe we can say something more interesting on him, but yeah, it, it all really just comes down to if, if, if he's healthy, you're playing him. Um, Eloy Jimenez is back with the White Sox on Sunday after missing nearly a full month following an emergency appendectomy starting in right field, batting second in Chicago series finale at Detroit. Jimenez was off to a, a pretty slow start this year before the injury, 258 average, 743 OPS, four homers, 15 RBIs through 25 games. Uh, didn't have a great rehab assignment either. It was only 12 plate appearances, I believe, with their double-A affiliate. But he was just kind of starting to heat up, though, uh, prior to the IL stint. Had a nice stretch to close out April, a good first week of May, and then appendicitis suddenly sets in. I, I would figure that Eloy is going to offer the like expected level of power production the rest of the way. It, it's been a bad start to the season, obviously, overall for the White Sox. They've played a little bit better lately. Um, and in that American League Central, um, really anyone is is still alive. N- not the Royals. I think we can we can count them out. But like the White Sox, yeah. I looked at what are they only six games back of first place despite being 22 and 32, 10 games under the 500 mark. The division leading twins are only two games above 500. Um, so I, I know there's been talk of like a deadline sell-off on the south side, and that it might even start much earlier than the deadline. Um, some pitching pieces that would be attractive uh, to other teams, obviously. But you've got Jimenez back, Liam Hendricks on the verge of joining the bullpen. It sounds like did they make that move on Sunday? I, I know he's like through live batting practice on Friday and, and drew like rave reviews. But they're kind of. I know he had a bad rehab assignment. That I know the hen, yeah the hen, did you did you have an update on that? No, I think I probably saw the last update that you did. I mean, it's he, he's yeah. been trending up. As I mean, the guy is coming back from cancer, so you understandable. It's taken him a while to to get sharp again to get that velocity back. It sounds like it's back though, and it's just imminent. His yeah, arrival. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's going to go back on a rehab. Like I think they're just going to activate yeah. him once they like he's traveling with the team. I I think Hendricks is coming back. If it doesn't happen on Sunday and we just missed it, it'll happen early next week. Mm-hmm. Um. Michael Kopech's been on a dominant run. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. This team could like still do some things, and um, Jimenez could be a, a a key cog in that. There there have been a lot of like stops and starts throughout his career, a lot of injuries. That's mostly what it's been about. Um, but in his career, he's averaged 36 home runs and 107 RBIs for every 162 games played. Uh, you just wish he'd actually play. Not even 162 games. Like, give us a hundred. I the only time he's done that is played more than a hundred games is was his rookie year in 2019. Um, man, I, I guess it's kind of like a glass now situation. Like, if he's healthy, you know, you want him in your fantasy lineup because he has that raw power and usually hits in a good lineup spot with the White Sox and can drive in a lot of runs. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's 
similar to glass now. I think probably we don't have like as quite as a assurance that he's going to be like elite level production when healthy. Um, he has been a little up and down, but I mean, he's like you mentioned, the power's outstanding. He doesn't strike out that much for a power hitter. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they the White Sox to do with with their lineup. They've been Jake Berger has started to cool off a little bit. Um, CBC's Jake Berger. Yeah, that's right. Shout out. So they talked about playing him at second base. Um, I don't know if that's going to be feasible. I mean, they put Jimenez in the outfield first game back. I kind of think it might make more sense to put Berger out there just because they, they're less, they they would feel less worried about him getting hurt, but I don't know. Maybe they're going to stick Berger into the, in the DH spot, put a play him in a little about more in the Berger outfield. Playing like some second second base, yeah. too. I, you know, like yeah, Elvis Anders. I don't know if that's ideal, hurt. but yeah, I I I feel like they should in a in Berger a shift restriction world. It it seems de- definitely less ideal. They probably could have gotten away with it back when you can play Mike Mustakas at second base, but right, less of a less of a possibility now. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the what the White Sox do. I mean, they got to get guys like Tim Anderson going. Anderson doesn't have a home run yet. He's just looks completely lost. Uh, he's been mentioned as a, a lot of people mention him as like a Dodgers trade target, but I mean, he's got to start hitting before he's going to be look more attractive <laughs> in that regard. Everyone's been wanting to trade White Sox players. I, I, don't, I don't know, know if, but like they're very much alive and, if you look across that division, like they're just as talented as the twins yeah. are just like, that was la- that, that was the case last steady. year too, though. And they were just also I terrible. I so I don't know. Maybe it's just a kind just, of a I, weird, like there's talent on the roster for sure, but it's just kind of a weird roster construction. Like, I don't know. We'll see. They, they certainly yeah. on paper, certainly they are still in it. That division is, up for grabs, both central divisions. Um, another guy sounds like he's going to play one more rehab game and then return on Tuesday is uh, Jesus Sanchez with the Marlins. Uh, he went down with a hamstring injury a couple weeks ago. He had been really one of the hottest hitters in baseball. He didn't play much like at all at the beginning of the season, uh, so it's kind of hard to get a an accurate gauge about how he's – really performed, but over the last like 40 ish plate appearances prior to getting hurt, he had like an 1100 OPS, something like that. Three home runs, um, stolen three bases already. I don't know if you can count on much of that, but like, he's a guy that's always had just light tower power. Like when he hits home runs, I think a couple of years ago, he, um, speaking of home runs, I think Alec Burleson should home run. Got the yeah, Cardinals just, going on, going on, right? As I'm, as I'm, we, we as both I'm podcasting, do. multitaskers. <laughs> um, yeah, Sanchez, I was it a couple years ago, like he averaged like something crazy, like per his home runs averaged like 430 plus feet or something like that. Like he's one of those, like, the, I mean, the, the Marlins have had these, yeah, these like outfield prospects, we, like waiting for one of them to actually like. Yeah, become a sustainable producer. Brian De La Cruz, mm-hmm. JJ Bladea, who's now with the A's. Like, there's just there's been this 
they've needed for, like for a couple of these guys to hit, and at least Sanchez has shown sparks that he could kind of be there. Yeah. Ryan De La Cruz has, has shown that this year a little bit too, as well. Yeah, I mean Sanchez is. I'm. I still worry about the contact ability. I think he's just naturally going to be a streaky hitter, but I mean he could very easily hit. You know. 30 plus home runs. He just might bat 230. Um, Avisel Garcia is also in the mix there in Miami. He's going to be, I think, beginning a rehab assignment this week, if I remember correctly. So I don't know what they're going to actually do with that outfield situation. Jazz Chisholm still still hurt. Uh, Sanchez can play all three outfield spots if needed. So, I, I mean, I think he's, especially how he was hitting. Prior to going on the IL, I think he's going to definitely get some run again, at least against right-handed pitching. So probably worth uh, a stash in five outfielder leagues if he's still still available because he can be kind of that uh, lightning in a bottle guy. Speaking of the Cardinals, and there's a go-ahead homer from Andrew Kisner, who I didn't know he could hit home runs. You, met, um, you must they you have a me in the stream because he's still standing at the plate. Oh, there it goes. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> um, but so this upcoming week is is weird for them. You don't like I don't know ever see consecutive off days for a baseball team. But the yeah, Cardinals are Missouri all Wednesday teams. And th- yeah. So you were talking to I saw you were tweeting Jeff Jones, the uh-huh. uh, Belleville News Democrat Cardinals beat writer about it. What, what was the explanation there? I kind of forget. So they were originally scheduled to have tomorrow off but Memorial the Day Cardinals Day. wanted the gate receipts from the holiday because knowing that they're easily going to get I mean they're probably going to get 40,000 plus anyway but sure it's a guarantee with the with the holiday and apparently I didn't even know you could do this but they asked for the Royals approval which they received and MLB's approval and they got the game changed to to Monday from Thursday so now they have a win because it's one of those weird two day, two game series. They were already supposed to be off Wednesday, which is kind of bizarre in and of itself. And now they have Wednesday and Thursday off, like back to back off days is weird. I mean, the Cardinals, I, I don't know what the Royal schedule has been like lately, but Cardinals, I think, play will have played 19 games in 19 days prior to that mm-hmm. two games, those two games off. So probably could use that, that little break. Um, there was- there was some kind of like trade, like the Royals also turned it around for the series out there. That's right. The and like September like or something? something. Yeah. Yeah. And they Wait, there's like yeah. another run where they're off on like a Saturday or so, it's something weird like that. Where yeah, the balance schedule is kind of kind of throws things off a little bit. But we're probably gonna run into a maybe a few more of these instances. Dude, so Goldschmidt a, Homer. Yeah. Is that, Home is run that derby for the Cardinals all of a sudden. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, but so these, this weird, like two consecutive days off in the middle of the week, that's going to allow Steven Matz to be pushed into the bullpen, thankfully, at least temporarily. And maybe it becomes a, a regular thing. He's just been flat out awful. Like can't throw his curveball effectively. Owen six with a five, seven, two ERA through 10 starts. I'd say he's actually pitched worse than that ERA. Yeah. suggest like i it's more it's been more like six seven range from from my eye test a 1.75 whip um he's throwing batting practice when he does command it and and like yeah it's just just not good 
Um, on the bright side, Matthew Libertor gets a, a more permanent, more normal, settled-in rotation spot. They've handled him kind of oddly. Like, and this whole season's been odd for the Cardinals, as you well know, Ryan. But I, I've been very impressed with Libertor. That that last start Friday in Cleveland got away from him at the end. Um, was he charged with like four and runs in the fifth inning? But he had been kind of yeah. cruising before then. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 3.13 ERA with 56 strikeouts and 46 in- innings this season at AAA Memphis prior to his call-up. They've like he, – he was used in relief against the Dodgers, weirdly, and then they put him back in the bullpen one night earlier this week in case they needed him. I, whatever. I, I, I think he's got a locked-in rotation spot right now, and I think he's someone you want to be rostering and just, just plugging into fantasy lineups every time out and until he proves unworthy of that or until maybe the Cardinals do something weird with him again. Gets the Pirates at pick. Pittsburgh next time out they've come back to reality I think I think you definitely pick him up for that matchup and then and then let it ride I mean the Cardinals need him like stop toying with the kid with these weird like bullpen tries we're not going to make this a, a Cardinals podcast Ryan I'm not venting today on, on a beautiful Sunday in St. Louis it's one of the last nice days we might have for a while before this humidity sets in so we're going to try to enjoy it we're going to we're going to stay optimistic yeah, I'm. Uh, I am optimistic too about the how they're going to handle it. What gives me a little bit of pause is they've kind of all they really said was Matts is going to be available in the bullpen for a couple of days. They and because of this weird schedule this week, like they, I mean, it, it's possible that Libertor could be available out of the bullpen too. They didn't say that specifically. Okay. Uh, but they could, I mean, they could technically get away with, th- I guess, like three starters for a little bit, right? Yeah, they could. Uh, they could. So I don't, I don't know how they're going to handle it exactly, but I mean, I don't know what else they need to to see. I'm, I'm with you that Libertor, I thought, the, I know the final line wasn't great, but I th- I was still fairly encouraged with how he pitched his last time out. And he didn't really have his best pitch either, was his, his curveball, and he kind of leaned more, on the on the fast one, also the slider as well, which he doesn't use a ton, but that, that he threw some really good sliders in that start too. So I thought that was pretty encouraging. A couple of ninety mile an hour like bat back foot sliders, kind of prime Chris Sale esque, busted those out a couple times. But yeah, I mean Matt's Matt's pitched in the bullpen at the end of last year and actually did pretty well. So his splits are suggest that he could handle lefties in such a role. So. I don't know. Try to. He's like just a two pitch pitcher now. Like uh, you kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just to salvage, you know, what they have left of that that contract. If the Cardinals rotation situation were different, um, you know, Matt's I'm sure probably would have lost his spot a little while ago. But you know, we'll see if they ultimately make that move. Um, One rotation move that was made in Arizona. Brandon fought um, not great for the Diamondbacks. Drew a lot of buzz from myself and and Drew included, pretty sure, mm-hmm. um, and everyone across the fantasy industry, pretty much. Just didn't look great. He uh, the strikeout rate, which was robust in the minors, he really wasn't missing many bats. He was giving up a bunch of home runs, which two, not to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. But 
we we did say that home runs could be an issue for him, um, and they have they were at the major league level. Like he doesn't have like a overpowering fastball, and he's a fly ball pitcher. Like it, those guys, if they don't have the just the pristine command that day, it's it could it could go sideways quickly. And that's what it that's what it went with him. That's the way it went with him. I mean, they're gonna they mentioned they're gonna work on things that they noticed. Um, like mechanically with him. I, I know one guy mentioned that maybe it was Brent Strom that was on the, went on the record saying something about how his he thought he could be better with his finger placement on one of his pitches. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but obviously he has some some things to work on before you can be trusted in, in fantasy again. Um, Zach Davies is up to go back into the rotation. There's no... No appeal there, I don't think. Um, Brandon Fott, I think, is an easy drop in, in redrafts. And Drew, uh, I'm still, yeah. I'm still holding out some a, a good amount of hope for for dynasty, but I, I, it's it's fine to cut him loose and redraft. I like to, I guess, usually be like, um, I don't know, open and honest, and like check my biases and with. with thought like you just looked at the minor league that's all i really looked at was the minor league numbers and like some youtube clips and i'm like all right, you know yeah. and you just like kind of build that into it's going to translate to the major league level when i like have watched him pitch at the major league level i, I don't really like actually see as dominant of a starter yeah as yeah. The, the minor league numbers would suggest maybe like you know, I'm not a scout and like, maybe he, maybe he's right. He just like needs to figure a couple things out, but he doesn't like come off as like a Grayson Rodriguez. Like when you watch Grayson Rodriguez, even though yeah. he got demoted and, and struggled, like you see why he's a top pitching prospect. I didn't see it as much with, with thought. Yeah. He's a guy who I think the fantasy industry was more excited than like the scouting industry. Like he's, yeah. I don't know. I want. I don't want to say like kind of a little smoke and mirrorsy, but maybe there is a little bit of a, that to a degree. Like he just had just a, like a supreme strike thrower and kind of uh, got by with deception. I think at the at the minor league level, and you can get by that with by with that at the major league level to a certain degree too. And like I said, I'm still still fairly yeah, bullish I, I on him over the long yeah, haul. Right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, same. Certainly in redraft, just go ahead and. Cut him loose. I, I would agree with you on that. Um, yeah. Some other pitching news. Michael Soroka, it's Michael now, not Mike, um, yeah. is about ready to make his triumphant return to Major League Baseball. Looks like Monday at Oakland it'll be. Uh, it'll be his first Major League start since August 2020. Juicy uh, match. Had the Achilles. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Against, I think, what Chris likes to call him the – the double a midland athletics or something like that <laughs> um and 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 then makes the argument that midland might actually have a more talented roster <laughs> but soroka yeah suffered that achilles tear and then had a bunch of complications with that I, i've lost track of all the injuries to I be honest lots of lower body stuff. twice didn't he yep yep yeah Retore it or like the, the first surgery just like didn't work. Um, yeah, and then he had a hamstring issue this spring. There's been some other stuff. Uh, I don't know, like over the last three years, there's just been a lot of stuff. The Atlanta's brought him along slowly, carefully this year. It, it's nice that they can 
afford to do that with the riches they have on the pitching side and, and the position player side, kind of the, the model organization of baseball right now. Um, but yeah, Soroka had that one really bad start at AAA Gwinnett in late April, um, around the time that it first like looked like he was pushing towards getting a call. Uh, but otherwise, like pr- pretty solid numbers on the farm, especially his last turn Tuesday against AAA Durham, the AAA affiliate of the Rays. Eight strikeouts, over six innings of one-run ball. He was one of the brightest young pitchers in the sport when he first arrived in the majors. I think he was 20 years old when he first showed up. Um, returns now at, at age 25, going on 26. Returns to a career 2.86 ERA through 214 major league innings. I don't know how to evaluate him properly. If, if I'm, I'm being real, like I almost want to look at it. Like he's a, he's a different pitcher because there's been such a gap and and he's I'm sure had to rework some things, but I mean, certainly if he does get the A's in this first turn, I, I'm, I'm firing the bullet in fantasy as a definite must add and just kind of rolling from there. The, Atlanta has options for that rotation spot. If, if he does not look good so that there's, there's some concern there if you're like considering spending like big fab dollars on him. I, I would be more cautious about that. But because he was not on the injured list, he was just optioned at Gwinnett. So, you know, he's he's going to be out there on waivers in certain leagues, maybe even still. Um, I don't know. What's your level of excitement with Sorokin? It's it's a tough get you, situation to like gauge with like any confidence, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I like him. Um, like, I, I think he's more as highly thought of as a pitching prospect as he was. He's always been kind of more floor over ceiling. Like I, like he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. He could be one of those guys I think who maybe kind of figures that part out, but I kind of think more like prime, like Kyle Hendricks type pitcher, which is pretty great. Uh, he could strike out like maybe a batter per inning at, at his peak, but I think probably it's more of a you're hoping to get the ratios from him more than anything else. But yeah, it's because he's missed so much time. Um, tough to gauge exactly what we're going to get out of him. Um, but you know the reports have been solid. Um, he's going to have a great offense backing him. Awesome, as good of a matchup as you can possibly have your first time out. Um, yeah. You know, they the Braves do have options, but they also, like, I mean, Max Fried and Kyle Wright are going to be out at least another six weeks or so, probably more. And uh, who are the two is? Uh, I think Fried Dodd and, and Jared Schuster haven't looked like awesome. Yeah, they've been kind of, uh, kind of up and down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I – I don't know. I'm with you. I don't think you can go too crazy from a fab perspective, but um, when you're so many fantasy teams are looking for reliable pitching, I, even if his ceiling is not, you know, Tyler glass, no esque, um, I think he could give you some pretty good ratios. And for that alone, I think he's uh, certainly worth a, a flyer. Schuster has looked better lately. I shouldn't lump him in with Dodd as much. Yeah. Um, a, a quick note also on, on Vince Velasquez, who as well, before we'll move into our three up, three down from Saturday, he, he returned from the injured list to the Pirates rotation on Saturday after a bout of elbow inflammation, but made it just two innings before the elbow began barking again. 
I think we can kind of guess what's going on here, that it was a more serious injury for Velasquez than the original diagnosis of inflammation, which first put him on the shelf in early May. I, I was watching that start. Um, I, I was working a, a news shift for, for Rotowire and just had it on, and um, he like grabbed at his elbow after a pitch. We've witnessed that scene before, and like it just usually doesn't end up well um, when something happens on a pitch. I think – we're looking at a lengthy absence here to, to where you just probably drop Velasquez. Like he'd been a nice find for Pittsburgh. He had that scoreless inning streak that I think ran up to around 19 straight scoreless innings, maybe even 20, but the overall picture here, the track record, uh, the continued elbow issues. I, I, I think you cut bait and save that IL spot for, for someone else in like a, a standard type fantasy league. Yeah. I remember <laughs> the pirates kind of, um, got made fun of because when they made the Velasquez signing, they sent out like a hype video. Oh no. <laughs> people were people were people were kind of making fun of them for that. But he actually was pitching pretty well for them. Um but yeah between even if it's you know does wind up being elbow inflammation again, like there's no reason to to wait this out. You could yeah. Yeah. just jettison him to the waiver wire. Uh, that, that covers most of the big weekend storylines. We'll do our three up, three down, talk some waiver wire targets. But first, a quick commercial break. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played. And they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include Fantasy Bingo head-to-head player challenges and fantasy book where users can select over-unders for two to five players with games like this daily fantasy has never been better right now rotowire listeners can get a 50 dollars protected first play that means if you win your first play you keep your winnings but if you lose your first entry rival fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code rotowire mlb at sign up and deposit a minimum of 25 dollars to get your first entry on rival protected up to 50 dollars now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today welcome to the arena all right we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Three up from Saturday. Uh, you take it first. Who you got? I'm going to go with Luis Severino. Um, two starts back from a, from a lat injury. He's looked great in both of them. Uh, went six and a third, I believe, which one earned run against the the Padres his last time out. Only killing at five, maybe five strikeouts, four strikeouts, and really only like a really low number of swinging strikes. I think it was like six and like 82 pitches. So you'd like to see that number higher, but he also hit exactly 100, 100.0 miles per hour on the radar gun. I mean, that's certainly encouraging. And we know with, you know, I hate to keep going back to kind of glass now esque, but like Luis Severino is really good when he's healthy. Um, Two years in a row, he's dealt with a lat issue. That's kind of worrisome. But you know, he was he's he was kind of getting on the onto the Yankees both times. He felt like he was being uh, kind of babied a little bit. Like he didn't think he needed to go on the sixty day IL last year, and mm-hmm. didn't think he needed to this year either. But regardless, he's healthy now, looking good. I think he will get those those strikeouts up. I think you can count on him for more than a strikeout per inning, um, what the workload will be, whether he'll be able to stay healthy. That's a question. He is a, an impending free agent for whatever that's, that's worth. Um, I don't know if that. On a very light starting pitching market. Yeah, he could. And he's going to be, uh, what is he? Is he, he's still in his twenties, isn't he? I think he's, don't make me guess on his age. Uh, uh, I, I was gonna real quick. I was gonna 29. say twenty-nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Twenty-nine. We'll see what he he could get a nice contract. I mean, yeah. Just considering like what what's out there and every team feel, that needs rotation hope. Yeah. At the very least, I mean, he feels like a guy who could get a really high AAV. Maybe not super long mm-hmm. year wise, but yeah, Severino is a certainly a guy who I can't imagine that he's out there in any league, but. He's looked as good as I think as we could as we could hope for his first two starts back. So if he is out there, pick him up. There's your hard hitting analysis. <laughs> uh, and up for me is Edouard Julien, who might be out there on on some waiver wires. Yeah. Had a big day at the plate in the Twins' nine seven win over the Blue Jays on Saturday. Three for five, a homer, two doubles, two RBIs, two runs scored. 
Julian like showed some promising flashes during his first call up with Minnesota, like in April, um, and is back now in what looks to be an everyday role or, or fairly close to it at second base with with Jorge Polanco still recovering from his hamstring strain. Um, that's kind of been a lingering thing for Polanco. He's also had some knee trouble. Like there's Julian can play the outfield as well and at third base cycling at DH too. He's already done that at the big league level, getting some, some looks out of the DH spot for the twins. And I mean, the offensive numbers suggest that like, I, this is a dude you want to be rostering. I think in like all relevant standard fantasy formats, if, if the twins are going to keep playing him and, um, and I think they should again. I had a huge showing in the 2022 Arizona Fall League, a 924 OPS this year at AAA, 864 OPS through his first 15 major league games. Last year, between single A and double A, he batted 300 with a 441 on base percentage, 17 homers, 19 steals. It's that pop and speed combo that we're all looking for in a fantasy player. And given how shallow second base can be, um, to me, he's just like a really attractive must-play option at the moment, and, and maybe over the long term, even when Polanco returns, if, if Julian keeps hitting, he has that versatility where I think they can find a spot for him. Um, I would think he's not going to get sent back down again, you know, barring like a, a sudden cold streak right around the time that Polanco's ready, but um, I, I know this has been a really quick ascent for Julian. Like He was an 18th-round pick. Um, I don't believe he's ever appeared on a preseason top 100 prospects list, but like you look at the, and I don't know, maybe I'm like a, I, I said it before with, with uh, like Brandon fought, like sometimes I just, I'll just look at minor league numbers. Yeah, and scouting to the stat line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do that. We all do that. Yeah. Um, but like everything tells you that this is like a, an actual good player who belongs right now in an everyday role at the major league level. Yeah, he's kind of that uh, kind of that three true outcomes guy. He strikes out a decent amount, but draws just a ton of walks. Yeah. Um, and he has power, opposite field power too. Like he's, I think, all of his home runs have been to the opposite field, and that's a thing he showed, you know, consistently in the in the minors as well. He doesn't really have a position like he can play those positions you mentioned: third, second, yeah. dabbled in the outfield, but. He's really a, I mean, he's a, his position is batter's box. Um, it would help if the twins would show a willingness to use Byron Buxton in the outfield. Um, yeah, I know. Yep. we, uh, yep. <laughs> but I mean, you can't really argue with, you know, what they've, what they've gotten out of Buxton. He's pretty much stayed healthy and been, been pretty productive. So I don't know when that's going to, that is a roster with a change. lot of guys. Sorry. Yeah. It is a roster with like a lot of guys without a. You got Joey Gallo there, um, yeah. A, a ton of like outfield, like I don't know, Alex Kirilov, Trevor Larnick, like this. And a guy who it's, it's a we are going to talk about later too is Royce Willis. Royce Willis. Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis. Yeah. On the way as well, and he's got a better glove than than Julian. So I don't know. I if you told me he was going to get regular playing time rest of the season, I, I would say he's. He'll retain mixed league viability. I'm not positive we're going to see that, um, but you know the Twins' offense has been a little up and down. Um, I think he could continue to hit if he has given those opportunities. Um, we'll see what 
how long, how much longer Polanco is going to be out. And it, Carlos Correa too has been is yeah. back in the lineup, but he's been dealing with. Like we talked heel, about that yesterday. Real issue. Yeah, plant. Yeah. He's got plantar fasciitis, plantar fasciitis and a well. muscle strain um, in the arch of that same foot. Like unre- unrelated, the plantar fasciitis is in his heel. And mm-hmm. yeah, he returned to the lineup Friday. Chris and I did kind of a deep dive on this, but I, I think he's going to need like more days off. Yeah. Um. Like, I mean, so you can manage my- plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Lewis might wind up playing more shortstop. We'll we'll see. So. There is the potential for um, for for Edward Julien to uh, to stick in that lineup. Um, I, I am optimistic if he does, he'll be he'll be productive. But still, kind of TBD. They got some moving pieces there in in Minnesota. Um, another guy for up from Saturday for me, uh, Zach Wheeler. He's been the beginning of the season. He had he was kind of uncharacteristically wild um but like the last month or so looking like the zach wheeler of old um he hasn't walked more than one guy i think in any of his last six starts including yesterday against the braves struck out 12 i believe batters over eight innings only give up three hits just a great outing from him and i think it was yeah it was you and i last week who talked about covered it with aaron nola like Philly's pitchers had a big workload last year. Like not only in terms of innings, but they also pitched late into the year. So it's not terribly surprising that Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler didn't have kind of their typical starts, but they're both kind of now figuring out Wheeler especially. So I think those that invested, you know, where, where Wheeler was going ADP wise and, and, in spring that that investment's gonna start paying off now that's the nationals next too if if the phillies stay on their current schedule so that that would be on friday uh three down from saturday justin verlander i'll i'll start it off with had had a rough go of it saturday at coors field as you know as many a great and lesser pitcher than verlander has experienced before um, I was wondering how often Verlander had pitched in that environment there in Denver with the thin air and the spacious outfield, being an American League guy for the first 17 years of his career, um, all before the balanced schedule, obviously. Only two times previously. Saturday was his third ever appearance there. Um, and he actually fared pretty well in his first two outings at Coors earlier in his career, but yeah, not so good yesterday. Six earned runs on nine hits in a walk over five innings, only two strikeouts. I don't know that this performance needs like a real deep dive. He was excellent against the Guardians at home in City Field last weekend. Eight innings of one run ball, five strikeouts in that one. The strikeout rate is down this year since he came off the IL. Maybe that's something worth examining as he rolls along. Um, but only five starts of, of data so far with the Mets. He missed the first five weeks of the season with a terrorist major muscle strain. I think he could still be a fantasy ace and an ace for the Mets, even at age 40. He gets the Blue Jays next. That'll be a test, but uh, thankfully doesn't have to go back to Coors Field for the foreseeable future. The command has been great. Like the fastball readings are are fine to very good. The breaking ball spin rates are all like at the levels that you'd want to see. I think it all points to him being at least like pretty close to the same dude. Uh, maybe not 
I mean, he was amazing last year. He won the AL Cy Young Award, yeah. um, and he's not getting any younger. But I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm willing to do another evaluation on where Verlander is once there's kind of a, a larger sample size of stuff to to parse through. And I, I'm not going to worry about one bad start mm-hmm. at Coors Field. Um, yeah, you know, unless I had him in fantasy, which you know, you, you take you take it on the chin. Yeah, I, I, it, I think it is worth pointing out. Um, like his swinging strike rate is down below 10% this year, which is, I mean, not only not Verlander esque, it's not even like right average pitcher esque. Um, and it was down actually last year, too, even though he's just had a sub two ERA. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's probably fair to think his stuff is just overall just ticked down a little bit, but there's also the element of, I know it's not the most highbrow fantasy analysis, like, like he's Justin Verlander and you, I, I trust him to, to figure it out. Um, so, I mean, I think he's ultimately going to be, while maybe his ceiling isn't quite at the, Peak for yeah, he's not a 300 strikeout guy yeah. anymore. That's, that's okay. Yeah, but I think especially from a ratios perspective, he's still going to be still going to be elite. Um, another guy down from not necessarily just Saturday, but um, Taylor Ward might have lost his starting job to Mickey Moniak. Um, four, I believe, four out of the last six games. Ward has been – I apologize. I did not check yet Sunday. I'm not sure if he's playing or not. So go, through Saturday, uh, four of the six games, Ward has been on the bench. And both of the times he played was against a lefty. So each guess of the last uh, – Guess who's in right field and batting leadoff today? Maniac. Oh, yeah? Oh, so, so he's in right field today. Is, is Ward in left? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Hunter Ward or her yeah, Hunter Renfro is getting a, yeah. getting a day off. Yeah, okay. Ward's in left, batting eighth. Oh, down down in the eighth spot. Yeah. yeah. So not a great sign. I mean, uh, you know, going through Saturday, it sat four straight games against righties. I don't know. I kind of think I kind of still have more trust in Taylor Ward than I do Mickey Moniak. Um, I mean, Moniac's been great, but even with those, the great bottom line production, like he's striking out like an almost 40% rate and walking at like a 2% rate. Like he's, and I know everybody sees that 1 1 next to his name is in like first round draft pick, first overall, but Moniac was always like a, that was like a money saving pick. Everybody knew it. Like he's never, he's never performed like a, or, from a stat line perspective or a scouting perspective, like a former number one overall pick. I mean, he has been really productive at the AAA level the last couple of years, but he's also like this year was like his third full year at triple a. So, I mean, he should be dominating that league at this point. Um, and, you know, Ward doesn't have the kind of track record. Where we should just trust him totally either. Um, but I still think he's ultimately probably a better bet. Than, than Moniac rest of season. Um, but certainly Phil Nevin is playing the hot hand here. So I, I don't think Ward has the kind of upside, especially when he's not 
batting in the top half of that lineup. Um, that's a very top heavy lineup then that the angels have. Um, he's not a guy that you need to wait around on. Um, but if you were asking me rest of season, who's going to be more productive out of those two guys, I'm still going to say ward, but even in five outflow leagues, I don't think he necessarily needs to be a, needs to be a hold. Yeah. That, that three month stretch that ward had last year, I think I'd, I'd say pretty confidently that's going to go down as a career outlier. Yeah, he well, he was like awesome in April last year, and then like the worst hitter in baseball for two months, and then one of the best hitters <laughs> again okay, for three yeah. months. Like it was, yeah, kind of crazy. It was a weird one. Yeah, it was like a, a little bit patchwork. Um, I, I I talked about the Twins win over the Blue Jays nine seven win on Saturday. Chris Bassett uh, was what what is the opposite of being a beneficiary? He was not good. In that one, uh, seven earned runs over just four innings. Uh, it jumped his season ERA from 3.03 to 3.80. Um, he had a bad start in his previous turn as well. S- six runs, only two of them earned though, uh, in a loss to the Rays. Got roughed up badly in his season debut back on April 2nd against the Cardinals, back when the Cardinals were a little bit of an easier team to root for the first series of the year. Otherwise, though. I don't know. Bassett's been like very good to dominant, at, at least like very near to what you would expect him to be when you drafted him. Average draft position in like the 140 range this spring, about the 37th starting pitcher off the board. There's been sort of this downward trend with, with Bassett, maybe just kind of a typical decline as he moves into his mid 30s, which I, I feel deeply being 36 and, and washed up. Um, but I, I, he'll be fine. <laughs> Give, gives you the ERA help and, and some strikeouts and um, some wins potential on, on that really good Blue Jays team. I, I guess you look at the the walk rate, it stands out. that it's, it's been a lot worse this year. I'm not super concerned yet. I think the overall outlook is still that he can be that top 40 fantasy starter uh, that you expected him to be. I think he'll be that the rest of the way. Pitching at the Mets next, um, who, who was his former team from last year. So, little revenge game narrative as, as he looks to bounce back. And I think certainly could. Yeah. I think the key word there is you mentioned that he's probably going to be fine and that's what he'll be. He'll be fine. Like he's not going to be the guy who had like a, you mentioned he was really bad as first start. And then he went like a month, six, five ish week stretch where he was, he was awesome. But the, the underlying numbers, like the expected ERA, even after, um, this kind of little blip he's had recently, like it, his XERA is like near five. Like he, he's not, he hasn't pitched as well as his, his bottom line results have been, but I think I agree. He's going to be fine. Um, not a, probably not going to get you a strikeout printing, maybe a little close to yeah, it, but not a, not a top 25 fantasy starter, but he's top. Right. Player. Yeah. I, I agree. I think he'll be fine. Um, a guy who I do think has a little more upside, different, we're going hitter here. We move into our fab and, and waiver target. Yeah, let's get into some, some waiver wire here. Um, guy we mentioned before, Royce Lewis, I think is eligible. What day is today? The 28th. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's eligible for activation tomorrow. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if the plan is to bring him back immediately. If, if it's not tomorrow, it's going to be 
certainly going to be soon. I mean, he's looked awesome on his on his rehab assignment coming back from second time. He's torn the same ACL in his in his not sure which knee it is, but it's the same one he's torn torn twice. Um, but like ten rehab games, he has like four home runs and four stolen bases. He's just looked great for the Twins last year as well before getting hurt. Um, got hurt playing the outfield, which was a not his regular position. He's going to stick to the infield now. I think he's exclusively played shortstop and third base on his rehab assignment. He's I think could play second base too if that's a a potential avenue for him. But you know they have they have Julian up now and hopefully Polanco on the back on his way back at some point. I think I think third base is probably ultimate where he's going to fit in. Um, Kyle Farmer has been pretty productive, but yeah. He's still he's still Kyle Farmer, perfectly fine yeah. guy to have around, but I don't think he's going to be a roadblock for Royce Lewis. Uh, so I mean, I like the Royce Lewis. Another, by the way, one one round one pick one overall guy, and he is a talent. I think worthy of that uh, that lofty draft status. So um, could still be out there in your in your league, and if he is, I think he's definitely worth scooping up. I'm just watching Jordan Hicks here in a in a high leverage situation. What could go I'm wrong? Scared. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, um, I talked about Michael Kopech finding something earlier for the White Sox to help settle their season, and yet, man, if he's still out there on the waiver wire, like I know he was a popular drop after a tough April, um, but I would definitely go get him again. So far in May, a 1.99 ERA with 33 strikeouts and 31 and two-thirds innings. Racked up 10 strikeouts over eight scoreless innings on May 19th against the Royals. Nine strikeouts and seven scoreless this past Wednesday at Cleveland. Those are obviously two favorable matchups, Kansas City and Cleveland. Um, offenses that don't usually frighten you, like this Jordan Hicks high-leverage situation is frightening me. But um, Kopech's control has just been so much better lately. Uh, there probably still will be inconsistency with that. Kopech is like prone to a blow up here and there if if the walks start piling up um, in his outing. But a, a two start week coming up against the Angels and Tigers, I think he's pretty much at the top of of the board for me as like a a starting pitcher pickup. If he's available, grab him for this week, this upcoming. Yeah, week. and I, I would I would agree. And like I I was pretty much out on him. Um, like he was just, just dating back to last year. Like he, the control has just been so bad. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Kind of had a, like a lingering knee issue for a while. Of course, he had Tommy John back a while a while ago. Um, I still think I'm still skeptical. Like over the long haul with him, but he's clearly found something. I mean, he's throwing really hard. Um, consistently hitting the upper 90s with his fastball got a whole bunch of swings and misses with the fastball as uh his last start and I, I mean i think you can take that one of two ways like you can if you're a guy because normally you're going to get more swings and misses with your you know your off-speed stuff that's just how it, you're breaking stuff it's just how it works but you know if you're able to like, yeah, yeah i was just going to say if you're able to blow hitters away with that fastball it's a, it's a good sign, but also, like, how much is it reliable over the long haul? I, I don't know. But 
I'm worried. I worry about the control with him more than anything else. Uh, but certainly with that favorable to start matchup, like he's at the very least for me is gone from a guy who I really had no interest in to someone who I, you have to pick him up now just 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 to see what happens. Um, another guy, I like. I yeah. oh, I think like Kopech. The times that I've seen him dominant, I feel like it's been a day game, and I was. I know you can look this up on baseball reference, but I'm having to scroll through his splits. I wonder if there's something to that. <laughs> something anyway, about, getting, can, something take, about getting up early. Just, uh, or maybe like something about de- just the deception of his pitches. Like, you know, like he's, he yeah. just looks a little bit more hittable when the lights are on it. Maybe, maybe. it's not high level analysis. <laughs> uh, another guy who was certainly droppable earlier this season. Um, Got a lot of buzz coming into the coming into the year because of how he closed last year is Jake McCarthy. He just got off to a dreadful start. Eventually found himself back at Triple A Reno. But as hitters typically do at Triple A Reno, they are able to get back on track there. It's basically like hitting on the moon. So it was awesome at Triple A Reno, and now he's back in the majors. He haven't haven't seen what they if he's in the lineup today, but I know he started the first two games back and one of them was against the lefty. So mm-hmm. was in the eight spot in the lineup. Not really surprising that they're kind of going to kind of ease him back in there, but you know, Dominic Fletcher has come back to earth. He not, not really a guy. I don't think that they necessarily committed to, to giving regular playing time to Paven Smith has not been great lately as well. Like that, there's a clear, path to to regular yeah, option Fletcher right did, did they option him yeah okay yeah. I missed that there we go um so yeah I mean I think and Alec Thomas is out of the picture now as well he also disappointed his back now at triple arena so it's gonna be it's gonna be Guriel and uh, Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy in that outfield for a while I think and I think it was some skepticism was deserved for McCarthy and how awesome he was last year, especially from a power perspective. Like I think people expected the steals, um, but were skeptical of the power at least should have been. Um, but now you can, you can be, be the beneficiary of, especially if you didn't draft the guy, it's really not. I think it was Vlad, Vlad, Vlad Sudler pointed out Roto, Roto, Roto gut, the handle on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, pointed out that it's like one of the most satisfying things in fantasy is when someone else uses a high round pick on a guy, they flop, they drop them, and then you pick them up and reap all the benefits when they, when they bounce back. (laughs) So that's, yeah, I've been on both ends of that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. But that's, that's potentially what could happen with McCarthy. I mean, I think from a, especially from a stolen base perspective, uh, I think he's going to be going to be viable rest of the season. He's got some sneaky pop too, so I think he could uh, be a, be a, especially in a roto league be a be a force. Just kind of anecdotal, anecdotic, anecdotally, anecdotally. Um, I think I feel like McCarthy's average draft position whenever I did a draft this spring was like all over the place because mm-hmm. there were people that loved him as like, you know, he showed signs that he could be like a breakout candidate. Uh, the people that loved him like went up and reached for him in drafts. And, yeah. Um, I liked him when I could get him a little bit later. Uh, 
because I was like, I, there, I have some reasons for skepticism, but I really like the overall picture here. And I don't know. Yeah. Now that he's back in, in a, in a regular role, like after a little bit of reset at Reno, I agree. It's like a great place to just go and reset. I, I think he's going to be very productive in fantasy. Um, Nolan Jones is someone I was kind of, kind of hyped on this spring as like a deep league late round flyer former top prospect with the guardians and like bringing a sense of post hype breakout potential with him out, out with the Rockies to Coors field. He didn't wind up making the opening day roster. Like they signed Mike Moustakis instead or something, just Rockies, just the Rockies doing Rockies things. Yeah. And we're dogging on Moustakis a lot on the show. Sorry, Mike. Um, but Jones, um, yeah, had, what he had like a brief call up in mid April. He was up for four days. He didn't get into a game. Um, like during that four day stretch again, just the Rockies doing Rockies things. Uh, but he's back now. Michael Tolia was optioned to triple A Albuquerque. Brenton Doyle suffered that knee contusion earlier this week. He was, um, he hasn't been put on the IL, but that was a scary scene. He had to be carted off. The I think field. he is back in the lineup today. Oh, is he? Okay, all right. But I know, Jones can get starts at first base. There's an opening there. CJ Crone's still out. Um, he can get starts in the outfield. He played third base, even some shortstop in the minors. I, I, I doubt they'd play him at short, but he has, like, the defensive versatility, at least, in, in the fact that he's, like, played a lot of these positions um, and has the offensive upside, you know, that I – I think he should be an everyday guy for the Rockies. Like, why not? Absolutely insane numbers this year at Albuquerque, which is a bit like Reno, like hitting on the moon. Um, but you just look at the stat line, 356 batting average, 1193 OPS, 12 homers, 42 RBIs, five stolen bases, 38 runs scored in 39 games. I mean, that that's never going to translate to the major league level. Uh, but anything close with the course field boost, if if Nolan Jones is playing every day, and I think he should, I I just really love the potential for fantasy help in a lot of categories. I'm not saying he's a superstar. Um, I don't see the speed being like a huge factor for him either. Uh, but at least he's a non-zero there, and and like you know, batting average, he'll he'll run into some homers, RBIs, runs scored. I'm I'm a fan. I think he's like just a really good real life player that the the Rockies finally found something. Dude, you know, you know what I re- just realized? What the Rockies are going to do? Now that he's available, they're going to sign Eric Hosmer and send Nolan Jones down. Wouldn't that be such a Rockies? I mean, um, CJ well, Crone is still hurt. We predicted the, we predicted the jerks and Profar thing. <laughs> That's right. Um, you did predict the Profar <laughs> thing. But that would be, wouldn't that be such a Rockies thing? Like sign, bringing in Eric Hosmer? Oh, gosh. I'm just going to. I just willed that into existence. I, I worry. But, you know, I mean. And then he's going to you know, have like a great couple of weeks too. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to trade him at the deadline. But, no, I, I'm with you on Jones. He's intriguing. Um, strikeouts can be a can be a problem, but he draws his fair share of walks. The raw power has always been there. Like he's never been a guy, aside from this year when playing Albuquerque, to hit for like a ton of home runs, but like the the scouting reports say it's been there. And obviously he's in the venue to take advantage of that and also has the ability to play multiple positions. So yeah, I guess I should, I I know he's made two starts at first base since his call, but I should look at their lineup today. 
Yeah, we can never we can never trust the Rockies not to Rocky, but like hopefully, I mean, they really should give probably Horace Montero another look too. I know he's been crushing the ball at, at AAA as well, but yeah, I, I'd like yeah, to see what first, Nolan Jones first base again. Yeah, three straight Good. starts at third or first base. I mean, yeah. Good. Yeah, at the very least, he should be playing against righties. So, I think in a in a five outfielder league, he's uh, he's someone that you should be looking to add. All right, we'll get you out of here to enjoy the the last good day of weather we're going to have in St. Louis until mid-September. Are you ready for this, man? I I hate the heat and humidity. Just as like a, a larger person who sweats a lot, you know, it's, yeah. it's brutal. Yeah. I you step outside and it feels like you're like immediate, like someone's like blowing a hair dryer on you, like nonstop. Like it's just, yeah. oh, yeah. And I've been to like I've been to even uh, like Scottsdale in June, um, and it's obviously hot, but like I don't know, like at least you can like go in the shade there and get some like respite from it. Here, like the shade doesn't even help you, and when like when the sun goes down, it's still just we live in a swamp, man. Um, anyway, very, that'll be very sticky. Yeah, enjoy your holiday, everybody. Yeah, that'll be it for us. Thanks for tuning into the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Go to rivalfantasy.com or download the app to begin playing a far better form of daily fantasy baseball. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. Stay tuned for more episodes every day of the week. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.